It's Tuesday, May 4th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Florida has taken another step in moving on from the coronavirus pandemic. On Monday, Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill banning vaccine passports and an executive order invalidating all remaining local emergency orders, saying the state is no longer in a state of emergency. Some mayors were pushing back on the orders, while other lawmakers argued they were trying to strike a balance of protecting people and protecting their civil liberties. Mary Ellen Kloss, Capitol Bureau Chief at the Miami Herald, joins us for these new orders and how they impact the national conversation. Next, the FDA has banned the use of an electric shock treatment, but there's still one school using it. The Judge Rottenberg Educational Center in Massachusetts, which deals with some of the most difficult developmental and emotional disability cases in the country, uses what calls a GED device to shock students to modify their behavior. Disability rights advocates and former residents have spoken out against this practice. But interestingly, some parents of those currently enrolled that have received this treatment support it and say that it's the only thing that works. Kevin Monaghan, senior producer at the investigative unit at NBC News, joins us for more. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. People have certain freedoms and individual liberties to make decisions for themselves. I also wonder, it's like, okay, you're going to do this, and then what, give all this information to some big corporation? You want the fox to guard the hen house? I mean, give me a break. Joining us now is Mary Ellen Kloss, Miami Herald Capitol Bureau Chief. Thanks for joining us, Mary Ellen. Good to be here. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has signed a new order invalidating all remaining local emergency COVID orders He also signed a bill into law that would bar businesses and schools and government entities from requiring what are, you know, a lot of people call vaccine passports. So a lot of movement there. And obviously, you know, uh, Ron DeSantis, a a rising star in the GOP, could be setting the stage for a lot of other states to do a lot of the same here. So, Mary Ellen, tell us a little bit about what we're seeing in these new orders. So it's very interesting because the governor is kind of making a big push to push back on what we're seeing in Florida, and that is a lot of local governments have imposed stricter um, rules and regulations on social distancing, on mask wearing, on capacity in restaurants than the governor has. The governor has basically, basically said everything should go back to normal, everything should be open, people should not be required to wear masks, and now he's putting it into a into writing with this order that has just come out. So basically some of these still orders that could have been set up are limits on uh, like, let's say for restaurants, for instances, other businesses, capacity limits, these things, as you mentioned, mask wearing, social distancing. So with this order, all of that goes out the window, right? I think the wording that he used was that the emergency is over now. There's no need for any of this stuff. What's happened is different parts of the state have watched as the new variants have have clustered and become more potent than other parts of the state. Now, it appears as though Florida has seen the number of new cases kind of level off, but we are still seeing about 3,500 additional cases every day. And along with that comes all the additional deaths. So it's not as if COVID has gone away. So uh, I guess the governor's perception of the emergency being over is definitely something that is getting 
some attention because we heard from mayors in the communities where they have had more stricter regulations opposing that. What's their reaction been to all of this? I mean, they're trying to create these orders for what they're seeing, you know, at that local, local level, what they're seeing in their own cities. And, uh, you know, the governor is saying, you know, no to all of that. Uh, I mean, first off, can the governor supersede their local rules, one? And then two, you know, what what is their reaction been? Their reaction is we disagree with this and um, nobody has come forth to say that they're going to challenge it legally. However, I think that that is likely to play out. Um, Communities have something in the Florida Constitution that is home rule authority, which means that they have the obligation and the opportunity to regulate their community um, with their own local government. The governor stepping in on this issue could provoke them to provide, um, you know, a legal challenge and come forward with a legal challenge. The other thing is, the state, as you know, is is not the same. We're not one unilateral, you know, everything isn't treated the same. There are some communities where people live in closer quarters. We've got a lot more tourist activity. Um, and, and those are the places that have had more restrict uh, uh, rulings right. from local government about social distancing. So they want to have the ability to have flexibility, and this takes that flexibility away. Right, yeah. I mean, we all saw the the pictures and videos coming out of spring break when everybody was just kind of going crazy out there. So definitely, as you mentioned, this would limit them. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the vaccine passports side of things, because he had already made a an executive order with regards to that. But now with this new law that got signed that makes it permanent now. So uh, as long as as private companies would still be able to, but everybody else pretty much would not be able to require these vaccine passports. No, private companies are not going to be allowed to require them either. Um, Oh, okay. That's the rub here. So you're a private business and somebody either works for you or or, uh, is a client of yours, you cannot require them to show proof of vaccination. It's the same for schools, same for governments. Now, the only exception is health care uh, providers and licensed health care facilities. Um, they can require proof of vaccination if they want to. But um, private companies won't be able to do it, which sets up a bit of a clash right now with the cruise ship industry, which is trying to bring people back and encourage confidence that their cruise ships are safe. And so the CDC has allowed them to start sailing out of Florida ports, but they want them to assure people that everybody who's on board has been vaccinated. Now, the governor's order basically says they can't do that. So I think that's going to emerge as another conflict here. We'll see how that plays out. And we know some of the stories from the very beginning of the pandemic, a lot of cruise ships were kind of early outbreak centers it's pretty tough, right? The, the country is starting to open back up. I know the lawmakers there uh, are on record saying that they're trying to strike a balance, protecting people from the virus, protecting people's civil liberties also. And one of the lawmakers there, I thought, had a, a pretty good point, though, with regards to the vaccines and, and, you know, the vaccine passport issue, saying we don't have the same proven history of the same vaccine that we require our school children to get. The argument is we require vaccines for other stuff. You know, why not this? And they say that there's a lot of hesitancy with this and it's real and it's understandable. And, and, I, and I do get that point because we don't know how long the immunity lasts from these vaccines yet. I mean, we've barely just started using them for, uh, you know, a few months now. So we don't know what the long-term effectiveness is. So I, I, that is a hard balance to strike there for sure. 
Yeah, I think that is a really good point. And I almost think that you could take that argument as a justification for why you might want to proceed more cautiously and encourage people to wear masks and do social distancing. Because, yes, right now it appears as though the vaccine is very effective. However, we don't know how long it lasts. And because we this is sort of in this experimental stage, it does raise the point of shouldn't you allow people to be cautious if they choose to be? Right. Yeah, that was coming from Representative Tom Leake. I mean, he's a Republican as well. He also did tell people to go out and get the vaccines. But a good point there on that one. And, you know, what does all of this do for the national conversation? As I mentioned, Ron DeSantis, rising star, he's going to run for re-election pretty soon. It seems like that most likely would be a lock. It seems like he might have aspirations for 2024 to run for president. Who knows what former President Trump will do. But what does this all do for the national conversation regarding restrictions, closures, mask wearing, all of that? People will be watching Florida. And I'll tell you what, Ron DeSantis is absolutely risen in the polls, done very well nationally because of this um, open everything, hands off approach. And um, I think what we are going to see is that red states and, and communities that are led by Republican leaders are going to start embracing this approach. I think the Florida template is going to be copied elsewhere. Mary Ellen Kloss, Miami Herald Capitol Bureau Chief, thank you very much for joining us. Good to be here. Thank you. She would, like, shock me if I didn't wake up and then I'll pee to bed and then she'll shock me again. What they're doing is just taking people that have issues and just building more. Joining us now is Kevin Monahan, senior producer at NBC News Investigative Unit. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. Thanks for having me, Oscar. I'm going to talk about this really interesting story. There's a fight over an electric shock treatment at the Judge Rottenberg Educational Center in Massachusetts. Now, this is a, uh, a shock treatment that they use for uh, some, what they call some of the most Difficult cases having a lot to do with people with severe autism, some that are nonverbal, some that are self-harming. And they've used this electric shock treatment for quite some time. Right before the pandemic became official in March, the FDA actually banned the use of this treatment. But because of delays and all that, it's still being used at this facility in Massachusetts. And I mean, it's just a, a crazy story. So, Kevin, help us walk through some of the details on this. The JRC is, uh, as you said, deals with people with with really extreme developmental disabilities and emotional disorders. And and as you also said, you know, many of them are known for sort of, you know, injuring themselves, perhaps others. So so these are extreme behaviors that they're dealing with to start with. But the GED, the Graduated Electronic uh, Decelerator, is basically what you said. It's a it's a skin shock that uh, is not used as a as a therapy per se, but as a way to to modify um, people's behavior. So um, it's been used for quite some time on patients who uh, may be injuring themselves or others. Uh, it is a backpack that's hooked up to the student and uh, with electrodes. You know, some are on arms, some are on legs, other parts of the body, and they wear them often 24 t- hours a day. And when they exhibit some sort of a behavior, 
that uh, that they are not supposed to exhibit, uh, they're shocked, and uh, and uh, it, it is really an you know a fairly seemingly extreme uh, form of uh, managing that behavior. Yeah, I mean it's especially weird that the student themselves have to wear a backpack with the battery that supplies the shock. I, I was just kind of looking through that, just kind of made me shake my head a little bit. But a lot of these uh, these in these specific instances, these uh, are court approved treatment plants. So it's not like, you know, some fringe doctor just going crazy and they're shocking a bunch of students. This has been court approved and it's gone through the process. And amazingly, also, the parents of these uh, students have come forth and said, this is the only treatment that has helped. It's helped them regain some sort of normalcy. And that's really one of the most interesting parts of this story. You know, we went in and met 30 plus parents at a roundtable. And it's hard not to have sympathy for a parent who's been dealing with uh, with a, uh, a child or adults now, um, but uh, a child who, you know, maybe this is their third or fourth or fifth institution that they're at. And they've been having trouble, a lifetime of, you know, difficulties trying to deal with a son or a daughter who uh, who are really dealing with with difficulties, you know, injuring staff of other places. So for some people's parents, this is like a last stop for them. And they're very supportive uh, of, of the use of the, uh, of the device, the GED and the treatment. And they say it has changed their child's uh, life. On the other hand, you pit that against human rights, uh, lawyers, activists, the United Nations, uh, who say there are alternatives to this. This is not the way to uh, to solve these problems alone. So it's a very interesting two sets of groups when you have uh, parents who have had their children in that in that institution for many years who are supportive of uh, this practice. Right. I mean, that's a definitely an interesting wrinkle in that whole thing. Tell me about the involvement of the FDA and then banning the use of these GED things. Obviously, there's been delays because of the pandemic and all, and because of, uh, I think, the facility is fighting back, saying that, you know, they ruled wrong on this. But just tell me about their involvement and just why it's still being used. So the FDA has been involved for many years now, uh, and and their um, discussion is banning a medical device, and they've done it very few times in the past. So in uh, March of last year, 2020, they finally, after many years of looking into it, banned the device, and they say it's a, it's a present and unreasonable and substantial risk of illness or injury to a patient or student. Uh, as you said at the top, there are two things that happened. One is that they, they had a stay because of the pandemic. The JRC was given until September to get these students off the device, and they said, because the pandemic is going on, it'd be very difficult for us to do that. The FDA agreed, so that's one. The other thing is the JRC is pushing back with the Parents Association to appeal that process, and that that is in D.C. right now in the Court of Appeals, and they are appealing the uh, judgment of the FDA saying that they do not have the right to uh, ban the use of a device not the device itself. It's very complicated, but they're saying that there are other uses of this device. And uh, for for instance, there's a commercial use for people who may want to stop smoking using a, a skin shock uh, device. And they're saying the FDA cannot pick and choose those uh, uses. 
Now, this facility, the JRC, does have a history of some scandals with regards to this GED electric device. There's uh, stories about, you know, some residents being tied down to restraint boards for hours and shocked uh, over 30 times. There's another one where a student was shocked 77 times, just heartbreakingly, after a prank caller instructed staff to do so. I mean, how do those things get through? How does that happen even? You mentioned the real two biggest ones, and in in 2011, video surfaced of Andre McCollins, an 18-year-old student at the time, who was, um, uh, he had severe autism, and he was um, put face down on a four-point board, all his limbs were tied down, or or, uh, uh, locked down, Um, and he was shocked 31 times, the first one for refusing to take his coat off when asked, and the next 30 for uh, the behavior he exhibited after the first shock. It it really got people's attention. Um, The second incident that you're talking about uh, was in and around that same time when a prank phone call went to one of the houses that these students are living in, uh, uh, saying that they were a supervisor from JRC, and one of the students uh, was shocked 77 times. Uh, that resulted ultimately in the uh, the head of the JRC and the gentleman, Dr. Matthew Israel, who created this device, stepping down. Uh, so there have been some really, there have been some, uh, some terrible scandals there as well. I mean, it's just heartbreaking. I saw some of the video of that stuff. It's heartbreaking. And on the face of it, you know, you feel like this obviously should not be used at all. But then, as we've discussed, you know, the parents, over 30 parents who have been involved with this over the years say it's the only thing that works in these most difficult of cases. And it's just so hard to square away when you hear some of that stuff. You guys did speak to behavioral health experts, obviously, who said this negative reinforcement is not the way to go. It should be more positive reinforcement. You know, what do they have to say about this? They called it an obsolete treatment. Several of the uh, experts we spoke to said that um, that they're obviously JRC is using a carrot and a stick approach, and uh, and the stick is is the GED, and and they do uh, uh, offer a, a carrot approach as well, which is you know if you act uh, appropriately at JRC, you earn credits for gifts and presents and you you get you get the good side uh as well and i think most experts say um things have changed a lot treatments over the last 20 or 30 years and and they all point to this positive reinforcement as something that uh, that most people believe is a better uh, a better idea when dealing with these kind of issues kevin monahan senior producer at nbc news investigative unit thank you very much for joining us Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.